What is up, my friend? Welcome to episode 143 of the Anthony Trunnings podcast. Today, I'm bringing on a guest to talk about why you must put your profit first. Now, if you run a business, this conversation, when implemented, I'm telling you, it can increase your bottom line guaranteed. So if you want to increase your profits and take control of your financial future, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Anthony John Amix podcast, the one and only podcast designed to help you become unstoppable in life and business. My name is Anthony John Amix. My friends call me AJ. And my goal with this podcast is to help you remember who you truly are so you can maintain your center in the chaos, embody your potential, and unlock freedom in your life and business. That being said, let's get into today's show. All right, welcome back. Now, before I tell you about today's guest, before I bring her onto the show, if you're at a place where you want to generate more revenue while converting your internal pressure into fuel for your potential, so you can like go out and live your big vision, have fun and do more of what you love, I have a little something for you. Every single week, I set aside a few hours to talk with online entrepreneurs about what's working, what's not working, and help them create a plan to create their visions faster. If you want to grab one of those times to talk with me, simply go to talkwithaj.com. It's 100% free. Normally, I charge up to $1,000 for a strategy session, but since you're listening to this podcast, I'll hook you up with an opportunity to get that strategy session. I'm going to warn you, don't book this call if you're not serious about creating results, because during that call... We're going to dive deep. We're going to find the root that's preventing you from having the results that you want in your life right now. I'll help you craft a strategy so you can figure out like, cool, this is how I get from point A to point B. So if you're an online entrepreneur, if you're driven, if you're hungry and you're ready to create your next level results, simply go to talkwithaj.com to grab a time to talk with me. Now, with that being said, let me tell you about today's guest. Her name is Suzanne Mariaga. She's the author of Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises, and she is the chief accountant and profit advisor in her accounting practice. She works with multiple six and seven figure entrepreneurs, and she really helps them like achieve record-breaking financial independence. Like when she partners with entrepreneurs to implement Profit First strategies, like their businesses, they just scale efficiently. And this is what then frees up the business owner to achieve profit levels that they've never really ever thought were possible. And it seems like these entrepreneurs just finished their journeys to discover like a whole new financial and time independence. And many have found that they become the first millionaires in their family. So I'm really excited for you to learn from her today. She has so much wisdom to share with you. So with that being said, let's bring her onto the show. Suzanne, welcome. Hi, glad to be here with you, Anthony. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited that we're going to talk about some profit first. But I want to back up a little bit before we get into talk about money. How in the world did you get started into the world of accounting and the idea of even putting profit first? Because most CPAs would be like, no, we must track those numbers and we must see what we have left over. You know, we still got to track those numbers. We still got to see what's <laughs> left over. There's no avoiding that conversation <laughs> in the accounting world. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I, I have a big four background. So like you're Anderson in Chicago, later on KPMG. And then I started my my own farm about 13 years ago when I had my daughter. And I remember when my first client came to, to my office and you know how we're all excited when our first clients come to the, to the office. It's like, somebody decided to take a chance on me. Oh my gosh. And um, it was an, a gentleman and, and he had a shoebox with him and he plops down in his chair and he throws a shoebox at my desk and he's like, you know what, whatever you do, I, won't, I don't pay taxes, you know? 
And I remember looking at the shoe box. I remember looking at the gentleman I'm, and I end up unraveling all these crinkled up receipts. Right. <laughs> and I get to the bottom of the shoe box and there's this like PL or what he calls a PL. And I'm like, well, don't worry, sir. You're not going to pay taxes because we didn't make any money. Right. And he chuckles. A couple of days later, he comes back. He's getting this earned income credit. He's getting like $2,000 back earned income credit. And he thinks I'm like the best count in the world. And I think I'm not that bad myself. You know. And then the next year, he does the same thing. He comes back, he brings the same shoe box, you know, he's recycling, right? And it's got fresh more receipts in it. And again, he plops on the chair and he's like, you know, do that magic again for me. Do that magic again. I don't want to pay any taxes. And so I get to a lot of the bottom of the shoe box and I open the shoe box and, you know, and there's this crinkled up PL. And I'm like, well, don't worry. So you're still not going to pay any taxes because frankly, you didn't make any money. You know, he chuckles, he goes away and, you know, he comes back, he gets his earned income credit again, $2,000. And again, he thinks I'm the best account in the world. And I think I'm not that bad. And then the third year, he still manages to come back. And I'm like, all right, this is not funny. You know, you email me at like 11 o'clock at night because it's the only time that you have, you know, you've grown now. I see that you, you know, you're stressed out all the time. And, you know, and, and I see that it's, it's just not funny, you know, because I see this man working year after year after year and he has nothing to show for it, but he still manages to plop down the chair, still manages to give me the shoe box, that same shoe box, like he's saving money, right? He's not buying shoes. Um, and then he, I get to the bottom of that, that PL again, he's still not making money. And it's not funny because now I get to know this man a little bit more. I see that he's working late, late hours. I see that he doesn't even own his own home. I see that he's not putting away for retirement. And frankly, I don't know what he's working for. In fact, I find that he'd be better off if he get just got a job. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm so passionate about profit first because he wasn't the only one like that. You know, I had client after client that was like that. I was like that, right? Because we're all on that circle. And it was really just saying, you know, we can't have this anymore. We've got to do something. And that's where meeting Mike McCallowitz and really embracing profit first really came into handy and it really became important. How did you meet Mike? By Mike? You know what? It was funny. I was part of a conference okay. and um, and I was part of this business group and somebody said, you know, you got to read Profit First because I was, I was at a point that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't stay on this hamster wheel either, you know, because, you know, that's the problem that happens in accounting is we're so focused on sales. We're so focused on on, on revenue, right. That we don't think about our bottom line and we don't think about our bottom line, then random things happen. And, and I remember like, I was like stuck in the situation where we would grow, but then we would lose a client because we didn't have enough people to do the work. And it was just this vicious cycle happening over and over again. And somebody's like, you know what, you got to read this book profit first. And so I, as soon as I read profit first, he started talking about profit first profession. I was like, I'll pay whatever. I need to be part of this organization. I need to, you know, not for not for the whole world, but for myself. I need to get profit first. You know what I mean? And naturally through profit first, I met Mike McCallowitz. Awesome. Awesome. So let's tell people a little bit about what is profit first uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Well, profit first is, you know, it's a system, it's a cash management system. So it's not an accounting system. A lot of people go, you know, I love that accounting system called, called profit first. Don't fire your accountants. We still need you to have your accountants, right? We still need those numbers, right, Anthony? <laughs> we still need to be able to dissect those numbers. Um, but it's a cash management system and it works with our natural human behavioral design. So literally, you know, as human beings, we're naturally efficient beings. So there's something called Parkinson's law. And what Parkinson's law tells us is that, you know, 
the more there is of a resource, the more we're going to use, right? And the less of a resource, the less we're going to use because we're efficient. So what that means is like, you know, if you go on a diet, right? One of the first things they tell you if you go on a diet is, you know what? use smaller plates, right? Because if you eat less, you take in less calories, you're going to consume less. And so, you know, same way it is in business, right? Because you're using a smaller plate, you're going to eat less. You know, when the economy was absolutely booming, like a year and a half ago, pre-COVID, you know, my clients are asking me like, oh my gosh, Suzanne, you know, there's this big office space, like right down the street from me. And granted, it's too big for me, but I'm going to grow into this office space. I have a feeling that I'm going to have the best year ever in 2020, right? Isn't that what people were saying? And then like, you know, or, or Suzanne, I need this copier machine. And yeah, I know I'm going to lease it, but you know, I just have a vision that I'm going to need like the super Xerox machine that costs me a thousand dollars a month. Or, hey, Suzanne, can I I get a corporate car or, you know, can I hire this employee? You know, I haven't quite grown into it. I'm going to find work for them to do. But, you know, in times of scarcity, they're asking me different questions. Like what employee can I keep? Even though everybody's been loyal all these years, I can't keep everybody. Or what expenses can I cut? You know, because now my PPP money is running out and I got to make sure I make it through the end of this pandemic. And, and so what Profit First does is literally we create these small plates, right? We create these plates. We create this illusion of scarcity. And the traditional accounting equation is revenue minus expenses equals profit. And so what we say is, you know, uh, instead of instead of focusing on revenue and being responsible, we still want you to be responsible, but I want you to pay your profit first. Kind of like Dave Ramsey's envelope system, pay your pay, sure. pay yourself first. We're going to pay our profits first in our business. So literally we're going to create different bank accounts based upon our designated purpose. So we're going to have a bank account for your profit account, your bank account for tax, your bank account for operating expenses, your bank account for owner's pay. Because yes, as an owner, I need you to pay yourself too, right? And so what that means is you literally every every 10th and 25th of the month, all money is going to get collected in this one account called the income account. And on the 10th and 25th of the month, we're going to transfer money to your profit account. So you're immediately going to have profit. You know, um, We're going to transfer money to a tax account, to an owner's pay account, and then finally to an operating expense account. And an operating expense account, that's all you have left to pay bills. Right. And so you're going to have to make really, really wise decisions about, hey, you know, AJ, maybe I have to think about what I'm going to like, you know, how am I going to, how much, what expenses can I afford to keep? You know, I mean, what do I, maybe I need to do some competitive betting. Maybe I need to cut some expenses because my bank account is starting to get low right now. So good. I've implemented profit first thing last year. And it has been a game changer personally for me. <clears throat> Didn't work with a profit coach uh, coach or anything. I just read the book and I was like, I'm going to do this and implemented it. And I use YNAB as our budgeting software. Um, everybody, yeah, you need a budget.com, YNAB, YNAB.com. And so that's been super, super simple just to set everything up, track everything on 1025th. It's been a game changer. In fact, I bought a one will with my first quarterly profits last year. <laughs> Oh, fun. wow. Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, for so many people, it has been a major game changer too for them. So it's, a, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear, I mean, literally, I mean, it changed my business. It really did a complete turnaround for even us and we're an accounting firm, you know? What gave you, what, how did you give yourself permission to try something completely different? Um, that's diff like totally counter to what you're probably taught in school and everything that you'd been doing up into that point. You know, for me, it was kind of like I was at a, I, I couldn't continue to, for it to be that way. And, you know, the statistics say that within 10 years, you know, 65% of businesses are going to be closed, you know, and it, it's, and then after five years, only half of them are really standing there. So it's, it wasn't a me problem. It was a 
we problem was a universe problem. Right. And for me, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't continue to run my business the way I was, you know, because when you compete upon price and you drive the prices down, you take every single client, right? Which is what we're taught in traditional school, traditional accounting equation. You know, what happens is you end up being a statistic. And I knew that I just could not continue going down that path. And so just that behavioral science, applying that that natural how how we function as humans, I said, you know, I got to try this. This is This is an amazing system. I've got to try it. Nice. Now, do you think uh, the reason most people go to business, maybe potentially when it comes to accounting is they're kind of having a scarcity approach, which is like, what can we cut? 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 Like, is there, is there some middle ground where it's like, yes, like we want to be prudent and track our numbers and all of that. But also how do we have like this abundant mindset where sometimes it's just like, this is the cost to run the business. It is what it is. And Let's figure out how to market and sell more. Like how does a business owner come into that, that paradox, so to speak? That is a great question. And it's, it's not a super, super simple answer because, you know, it really starts with why, right? Because every business, you can have a business that's in the same industry as from one to another, and they're going to operate completely differently because they have different goals, right? It's about positioning yourself. You know, if you want to be you know, a, a low end provider, meaning that you're going to do a volume based business, or if you're going to be more of a boutique business where you're going to have a very high level of service, very, very unique service, depending on your customer. Right. And so I always say to my clients, you know, you start with why, right? Simon Sinek, you start with why, why did you go in business? What are your goals? Right. Because some people say, you know, I want to be a small business. I want to be a mom and pop. I want to be a local ice cream store. I want the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts to come to me and I want them to remember exactly what it was like growing up because I'm going to be a memory in my community. And then there's some people that, you know what, I want to have like a franchise. I want to have a grocery store in every single city, you know, that's doing this. And, and I want to like, you know, you know, just, just really leave a legacy of having these major franchises, right? all around the country or even around the world. But what's going to happen is each of these are going to have a very different strategy, right? You know, depending on if I want to be the mom and pop store or if I want to have the mega empire with the franchise. Same way with business owners. You have to start with why. You have to start with what is my end goal? What is it that I really, really want? And how much do I need to make, right? How much does my business need to generate for me? And what how big of an empire do I want to run? How many employees do I really want working with me, right? Because that's going to dictate how I structure my business, right? Because maybe, you know, I want to have just a great life being that ice cream store owner. And what I need to do is to go, how many customers can I realistically bring in in my small town, right? I'm not going to be serving millions if my town only has 30,000 people, right? That's not going to happen. And so what's going to happen is, you know, I'm literally going to go, you know, how many customers can I serve? What is my monthly revenue need to be? And then how many visits, how much do I want to target per visit and then back into the pricing that way. So it's going to be a combination of not only what can I cut, right? Because at some point, most of those actually I meet or most of them are actually very, very responsible, you yeah. know, for the most part. It's it's going to be, a, a, but where they mess up is, you know, it's terms of their strategy in terms of marketing, being realistically and to how many people they can serve. And then there's some businesses out there that, you know, no matter how many widgets you make, you'll never be profitable, right? Be just because there's no demand for that type of service or, or product. And so it really becomes this, you have to look at it from all angles. You know, what do I really want from my business? How many can I serve? And then, you know, after, and then of course, obviously, you know, being responsible about those expenses too. 
How do you think people get clear on the why the or the what that they want to create? What have you seen helps people get clear on that? You know, I always start with just a basic journaling, you know, like, what does winning look like in my business? Really? You know, like, what does it look like? Like, you know, a lot, you know, what is it? What, it, what makes me feel that I want at the end of the day, you know, like, is it my business having a certain amount of retained earnings? Right. Is it, you know, it being able to run without me. Right. Because then I can think about my strategy of, of who do I need to start bringing in to certain positions, like in order to run the company without me. Um, how much do I need to make every year to have a lifestyle that, that I want to have? Right. And then also in terms of like, how many years do I have left to work? Right. Um, because I need to start building my, 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 my retirement account, right. Or my exit strategy, you know, because businesses sell either as a percentage of sales or multiple of profit. And so I need to start building that strategy in too with that. So it's defining of, as you know, not just the why, but what does winning look like? And then algebraically breaking into like, what does that number need to be in terms of revenue? And then what's the price points needs to be in order to generate that revenue. Nice. What would your journaling um, process look like around that? I'm curious. You know, I, I think journaling looks like different things for different people. Um, we have a Trello board. We love our Trello board. Um, for some people, it's like, it looks like paint on the wall. <laughs> I look at there and I'm like, oh, that was a great goal. <laughs> but they understand it. So that's great. I think it looks different for many, many different people, depending on their personality. But at the end of the day, if we can break it down into a number, we can get to the how. <laughs> So is it like looking at it like a gross number? Like I want to make X amount of dollars. Let's just use the easy number. I want to make $500,000 a year and then breaking it down from there. Exactly. So if your 500,000 is your net, then we would figure out um, in profit first, there's something called a target allocation percentage. And that's really what and Mike talks about in his book. You know, there was a study done by profit first professionals about what just healthy companies look like. And they do something called common size financials, which are like percentage of of real revenue for each category of expense, of tax, of owner's pay, of profit. And literally they take those numbers and, and we would compute what the gross, what the, what the, what the revenue needs, what the total revenue needs to look like based upon that number is what happens. Awesome. So how does somebody go on the journey? Maybe they use a tool like this and they're like, cool, well, here's how I'd net $500,000 a year. Here's how, or here's how many new units I would need to sell. How do I do it? <laughs> Like how do, how do they like figure out how to compute the how? Just curious. You know, the how it, it's, it's an algebraic formula. It's really what it is. Um, so it, it breaks into what, what percentage allocation you're going to be. Um, and then we have a special tool that we use in house that, that computes that um, from, from that, that standpoint. And then of course, then it's just figuring out, you know, it'll tell you like what mats and subs you need to use. And then based upon your product or your, who you're selling to or service wise, you know, how many customers you need to service at what particular price point. And, and at some point, you know, you start to know your averages, right? Like even in the ice cream store, you know, that everybody's got two parents, two kids and, and what's their average purchase, you know? And so you're able to kind of backward sure. algebraically figure that out. So let's say they had to have uh, 200 people buy ice cream every single month to hit their numbers. And let's say they're only having 50 people right now. So then there's going to be a gap of like, how do I get 150 more people to buy? Where is it this um, blind faith and hope? And where is it like responsibility to figure out how do we get 150 other people to come in every single month? Right. And that's where that market 
marketing really, you know, or, or that strategy is really different depending on the company. And so that may be coaching them on sales, like how do you upsell, right? So how do you awesome. increase that amount? Um, how, you know, potentially it's an increase in price, right? If you, if you live in a small town and you're not covering your costs, um, you're not going to be able to bring in maybe people from other surrounding towns, right? Because there are other ice cream stores that you have to compete with. Or, or so maybe it's a matter of increasing price, or maybe it's a matter of too, of, of creating such a position where like maybe you're the only ice cream store in 60 mile radius that sells blue ice cream you know that has a smurf outside of it you know what I mean? so the kids yeah. need to come to this carnival of smurfs in order to get this ice cream so again it really just depends on on the strategy and the situation that you're in awesome and you mentioned this guy i know it's a fictitious story that brought in well maybe it's a real story that brought in his oh his he's receipts. real he's a real guy okay <laughs> that brought in his receipts in a box and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they have this mentality of like, I don't want to look at it. I just want to market and sell, I want to run the business. They don't want to do the boring, mundane tracking of money. And yet science has, has proven like what gets measured gets managed. What we focus on expands. Like this is, this is proven by science. So what advice would you have for entrepreneurs to, to lean into their edge, to track their numbers? Um, rather than just being like this guy and be like, well, here's my receipts in a shoebox. Like, yeah, what advice would you have for them to lean into that responsibility? And I think you said it perfectly. You know, when you have random actions, you get random results, right? And it really is about stepping back and going, you know, what's important to me? What do I want to get to? And then creating those metrics along the way in order to make sure that you are headed in that direction or you're on target or you're actually in already met that goal and that you don't waver from it. Right. And so it's, again, it's important to maybe track those numbers and, and I'll tell you any business owner, you know, we all have a, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day, you know, and hopefully just eight hours of work. Hopefully, hopefully not, none of us are going to like 20 hour a day work weeks or work days, but um, you know, and so I actually recommend that most people don't do it themselves. You know, you either have an in-house bookkeeper that's doing it, you're you're outsourcing that to get that done. And then say, hey, these are the monthly reports I want to see every single month and have those auto-generated. So you could able to see immediately, hey, I'm on target. I've veered off to the left. I've veered off to the right. Because um, you want to catch that bleed before it's six months later or a year sure. later, like the shoebox guy, right? Yes. And what advice, uh, well, let me ask a different question. A lot of people, I think when they think hire a bookkeeper, they think it costs an astronomical amount of money and it's at, they believe it's out of reach. What is like the average cost of like a bookkeeper per month? You know, it's going to depend on the size of sure, the sure. company, right? Because um, my ice cream shop is going to be a lot less than my my, my multi-million dollar business, just because one transactions that are going to happen. So I think there it goes in phases. You know, when you're a startup business, you know, um, you know, to get your payroll service involved, I think you're probably going to be around three to 500 a month easily with that. Um, and then, you know, once you're in the bigger businesses, I usually say around 2 million, you're probably going to start to bring somebody internally, right. In order to start to process that for you. And then obviously when you're at 30 million, you've got a controller in place that's going to be helping you. And then, um, maybe a C or CFO that's helping kind of look at things. And then as you get bigger, you're eventually going to have a CFO. So I think it's going to go into phases in terms of like where your business is at any particular time. Yeah, well, it's amazing because even if it's starting at three or five hundred dollars a month, somebody may be like, "Well, that's three or five hundred dollars a month I could put into marketing." I would have them consider 
that it's three or $500 a month that actually increases their capacity to actually show up and do the marketing and sales more powerfully. Because what's happening for a lot of people is they're carrying subconsciously carrying this energy around of like, oh, the tax man or the tax woman's out to get me. And like, it's, it's this subconscious pressure that they're not even consciously aware of that they're carrying around all year long until they finally give you the shoebox. Like, oh, I'm done with the pressure. Take the burden from me. And so it's worth astronomically more money to pay you the three to 500 or more dollars a month or someone like you, because then that burden is lifted and there's more joy and more freedom and more confidence and certainty to go do what you do and you'll make more money guaranteed. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, just think about your, your hourly rate, right? You can do the $26 an hour work, sure. right? Or you can do the thousand dollar hour work, right? And, you know, as a business owner, you know, what's going to move your needle the farthest is a thousand dollar out. It's your strategy. It's, it's putting the right people in the right places. You know, they say that only 4% of companies ever hit a million dollars in revenue. And the thing that they struggle with is they never figure out how to delegate. They never figure out how to let go, how to let people really work in their zone of genius, how to motivate them. And so they stay small, right? And again, you know, yes, you can do your own bookkeeping. You probably can do an okay job, you know, but think about the opportunity cost of that time, right? Sure. Like you said, you know, you could be easily out there, you know, training your new sales staff, you know, you could be figuring out what makes your customer happy, spending more time with your customer even, it's probably worth more, right? Because you could, there's upsell opportunities when you do a good job. But if you're doing bookkeeping, you're never going to be facing your customer. Yeah. And what's your favorite strategy for increasing profits at the moment? You know, it's still, it's, I'm going to, you're going to hate me on this. It's really taking a surgical approach. You know, um, it depends again, going back on the goal. It can be a combination of reducing the expenses, um, doing competitive betting to get those expenses down. It could be raising prices, but then it could be positioning, right? Because not, not everyone can raise prices. I think one of the things that you have to be careful of right now that's happened in the COVID world is we are under a hyperinflation type of environment, right? Yes. You know, the, the cost of lumber is 50% to double what it used to be, you know, uh, a year ago, right? And if you're charging what you charge in 2019, right? Because you were like not wanting to raise prices because you were wanting to be kind to your customers, you're going to be absorbing that through your profit, right? And if you're absorbing it through your profit, that means that, you know, if you're increasing your salaries for your employees, right, because now they can make more working at Kroger's and Walmart, right, 15 bucks an hour, right, that, you know, you're not gonna be able to retain the best and brightest. So you have to really keep a good handle on what's going on, constantly watch your financials, watch those margins, see how your margins are being impacted right now um, in the COVID, like every single month, watch what's happening on there. Um, watch what's happening to your cost, you know, your, your direct labor, your direct costs that's associated with, with creating your services that you provide or even the products that you're manufacturing. Is there like an average kind of across the board inflation rate that should be adjusted for coming into 2021 and beyond? You know what, what used to be, you really can't count on <laughs> there. You know, you used to say on average 3% um, CPI, you really can't count on that. Now you just have to watch your books, watch, watch those vendor invoices that are coming in and really keep a great pulse on it to make sure that your those common size metrics are, are staying consistent. 
What about those service-based businesses that, that are different? Like there's a lot of people, at least in my world, who are online, digital marketer, service-based people, right? Like you're very familiar with that industry. So they don't necessarily like the test, the, the cost of technology isn't necessarily increasing. Um, the cost of service providers aren't necessarily increasing. So how can they um, adjust with this mentality as well? You know, being a service provider, it really is going to be about positioning yourself and, and differentiating yourself from the next service provider. That's really what it's going to come down to because, you know, there are people that are charging $1,000 for Facebook ads, you know, that service every month. There are people charging $3,000 a month for Facebook ad servicing and they're doing the same thing. But, you know, the one that's having 3000 is saying, I'm going to make you look like you could be in like New York Times Magazine or Glamour Magazine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, on that Facebook ad versus the other one says, you know what, um, I'm going to use cartoon <laughs> characters. So it's good. It, so it really is about positioning yourself and getting being known for what you do. And that's going to command your your prime rate from a from a service provider standpoint. So for service providers, is it really, I mean, outside of positioning, is it also just come down to certainty? Like I'm certain in the value that I can bring you. I'm certainty that I can get you the specific transformation and this specific transformation is worth X amount of dollars and it is, is what it is. You mean value billing? Um, you know, value billing is very important. You you know, obviously, you definitely want to be very confident and and what you're able to bring to the market. Um, collecting those testimonials is going to be really important, where you've been able to show your clients, you know, or future clients what you've done in the past, because the past does predict, you know, the future results on there. And it's just like again, just really becoming known in your industry for what you do. Awesome. Awesome. What are some big mistakes that you're seeing uh, entrepreneurs making when it comes to, you know, profit and accounting and all of that good stuff? You know, I, one of the big things, I, the biggest thing that I see is just not having a plan, right? Just not having a plan like my shoebox guy, right? <laughs> like they're on pens and needles, like how much do I owe at the end of the year? And I'm like, you don't know already. <laughs> you know what I mean? You should already know. Um, you should be tracking these as you go along. So just not having a plan and then sticking with a plan is one of the things that I see. Um, the other thing is just staying with the familiar, right? Like people just, you know, they they don't want to, they, they're not monitoring. Maybe, you know, I always give the example of my kids you know, um, they, every year they have these beautiful catalogs, right. With fundraiser information on it. And, um, it's interesting because every year it's like, you know, mom, we, you need to get a new magazine subscription so they can get the class pizza party. Right. And it's funny. They don't go to their dad. They just come to me for this pizza party, <laughs> uh, magazine subscriptions. And it was funny because, you know, I was like walking through my office probably last June and I'm like, all these magazine subscriptions are there. And, and it's interesting because they're auto renew each other. So they auto renew. And then my kids come to me and go, can you buy another one before their pizza party fundraiser? Cause they really, really want, want that ice cream and pizza. And it's funny because I'm walking through the office and I'm seeing these stacks and stacks of magazine. Nobody's reading them. Nobody's reading them because we've all been meeting under Zoom, right? They've been meeting under Zoom. Nobody comes to the office anymore yeah. besides my admin. And we have these lovely magazines that nobody's using. And I'm like letting them renew. 
of all things. I'm letting them renew. And so just going back to your PL and go, you know, what's the ROI on every single expense? You know, what am I not using anymore? I'm not, you know, like, why am I getting these magazine prescriptions when nobody's sitting in my lobby anymore? You know, I mean, it'd be better off to save the trees, right? And then spend on these things, you know, looking at like, you know, you know, you're in Texas, right? And, and Anthony, you know, one of the things that we went through in Texas was, you know, when we lost our power, right? Mm-hmm. During that crazy, crazy snowstorm. Oh my gosh, that was insane. You know, the people that that got hurt were the people with the variable electrical or, or the variable electrical bills, right? The, the variable utility right. bills. And, and maybe it's better to start hedging that, right? Getting into a fixed rate um, and taking a look at it. So just, just keep in mind that what served you a year ago may not serve you anymore, or even the office spaces, you know, like how many people are now working from home? You know, like, why am I spending a few thousand dollars a month for, for rent? You know, maybe I need to be looking at when is this lease going to expire so I can get out of it and start creating that transition plan. So just constantly keeping a track of, you know, when are things going to, you know, what's really serving me? What's generating an ROI? What's even necessary anymore? And getting out of that. So what I'm hearing you say is the next time the kids are like, okay, buy this magazine. When you want a pizza party, you're like, how many pizzas do you need? <laughs> you need four, <laughs> you need five pizzas. I'll just buy you the pizzas and we'll call it even. <laughs> exactly. For the whole class. <laughs> yeah. If you go little Caesars and like, man, you're really good. So good. Amazing. If you could give yourself some younger, like you go back in time and give your younger self wisdom uh, to help you get results faster, what would you tell her? You know, I would tell her to younger Suzanne, I would say, you know what, start with why and take your profit first. Awesome. Cool. Well, if people want to learn more about you, maybe they want to hop on Zoom, figure out their strategy, hire you to take care of their books, um, take care of the taxes, Where, how can they connect with you? You know, um, the best way to connect with us is we have a Profit First Masterclass where we teach you literally the ins and outs of Profit First. If you go to Profit First uh, Masterclass with Suzanne Mariga, you'll be able to take that class for free. Um, the other thing that we have is we have a brand new book that's coming out. It's, it actually comes out May 25th, but you can order the book online now. You can either go to Barnes and Nobles to get the print copy or um, I think Amazon will start selling it soon, but um, definitely go online. It's called Profit First for minority business enterprises. And I, and I don't care if you're a minority or not. This book is amazing for you. I give some of my favorite tax strategies, like how to create generational wealth without increasing expenses, reduce your taxes without increasing expenses. And we're going to go some, some serious things like, you know, setting up some, some, you know, how do we cr- create longevity with our employees? They vest if they leave before they vest because they're like deuces, I got another job that pays me a whole dollar more an hour then all that deduction just goes into your coffers when you retire, you know, so it's just literally like how to create wealth using tax strategies also in that as well as if anyone ever gets into government contracting out there, we talk about how to, how to definitely avoid the traps in government contracting. So, and of course, profit first. So definitely, I would say, check out that book. (laughs) Awesome. And where can they go to grab the book? Um, They can either go to Barnes and Nobles to grab it, or they can go to amazon.com to grab it. Awesome. Cool. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for being here. really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, there you have it, my friend, Suzanne Moraga in the house. I can't stress enough how important this is to put your profit first. Like the thing is, is like, even if you just make the decision to put 1% first, like do it, like seriously, to start where you're at, it could be more, it could be less, but just start with your at. Seriously, what you focus on expands and what gets measured gets managed. So why not make the decision today? I'm talking about like, why not draw a line in the sand today 
and set a full on commitment to like take a profit today, like period, like just make the decision. I've personally experienced magic when I made this decision in my own business, like my business finances, they completely transformed when I made this decision to take my profit first and follow the system that Suzanne shared in this podcast. You know, it's kind of crazy, like with a lot of transformational wisdom, this is simple to do and it's simple not to do. And what I found time and time and time again is part of being unstoppable in life and business is simply doing the simple stuff consistently day in, day out. And uh, I know that if you'll decide to do that, I know your entire life will transform. So it's all I have for this episode of the Anthony Johnny Mix podcast. I hope it served you. I hope it's really inspired you to take control of your financial future. If you know someone who needs to hear this episode, send it over to them in the DM, screenshot it, share it on social media, send them an email, text message, whatever you have to do to get this episode into their ear holes. And also please keep those five-star reviews coming over on iTunes because that's what helps get the show uh, found and serve more people. So thank you so much for being here. Until next time, my friend, I'm out. Peace. Well, that's all I've got for this episode of the Anthony John Amix podcast, but we have plenty more to help you become unstoppable in life and business. So head on over to ajamix.com for exclusive resources, information, and tools to help you break through to a new level of freedom, purpose, and success. I look forward to having you back for the next episode. Bye for now.